the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they have given their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders, instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honour your mother and father. Anyone who curses their mother or father is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that they might have been used to help their mother and father, is Corbin, that is, devoted to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again Jesus called to the crowd and said, Listen to me. Everyone and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach. And then out of their bodies, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Thank you, Rowan. There's so much in this passage um, to think about. I actually found it really hard to write a sermon on it. Um, I found myself um, going down so many uh, avenues and... um, Fortunately, Dave Clancy was there to, to help um, bring clarity to the essential message of this passage, but I will touch on a few of the other things uh, as we go through it. But just before we start on that, um, just to remind you of the arc of where we're travelling uh, in Mark. Um, Mark is creating a case and providing evidence that Jesus is God, and he's given us story after story where Jesus has acted in God-like ways. Uh, from creation obeying his spoken word through to forgiving sins and raising the dead. And uh, on top of that, we've seen that many of the things that Jesus did mirror the Exodus story. 
Uh, so you've got this almost like a, a meta-narrative going on that all these um, stories point to. It's really incredible. And uh, we've seen that Jesus is really the true Moses, um, rescuing his people, us, from slavery to sin and death and leading them to the promised land, which is, uh, in our case, heaven. And uh, his whole life has been a preparation for this work. Um, and, and we could almost describe uh, Jesus' work as leading a rebellion against the ruler of this world, the devil, and those who belong to him. And really, this, this passage, he fires his first broadside um, at uh, the, well, really, the, those who belong to the devil, which he described the Pharisees as, which is really uh, harsh and confronting words. And last week, Sarah took us through the feeding of the 5,000, uh, part two, where Jesus miraculously uh, fed a multitude of people with only five loaves and two fish. And it's our, it's our natural inclination to focus on the physical miracle, isn't it? The, the multiplication of the, of the loaves and the fish. Um, but Sarah pointed out that uh, this story is, is much more than um, God satisfying the hunger pangs of, a, of that group of people. Just as God fed the people of Israel in the desert with manna, uh, so Jesus feeds us <clears throat> who walk through the desert of this life with his own body. And just as the bread was um, blessed and broken and given out, so Jesus' body was blessed and broken and given for us. And I don't know about you, but I, I find these metaphors of, of Jesus' life really incredibly moving. Um, there's something about... Uh, a metaphor, a story um, that, that helps us understand what Jesus did in a new, a new light. It's really, uh, it, it gives us a new insight and appreciation of Jesus' selflessness and his beauty. And today we're moving on to Mark chapter 7. And personally, this is one of the most significant uh, chapters in the Bible for me because, as you may have picked up, um, uh, my surname, our family name, is mentioned in Mark 7 11. So, um, and, and it tells me what it means, belonging to God. So um, very significant for me personally. Um, but there's much more important points to uh, draw out of this passage than bugging out about my surname being in the Bible. Um, so the main reason that Mark put this section in the Gospel, and, and this is a really important um, question to ask yourselves when you're, when you're reading the Bible, what, why is the story here? What, what was um, the author's intention of putting this particular story in the Bible. And what it's about is um, Jesus reveals the whole reason that he came to earth. That's why it's here. And the reason is defilement. And that's quite a strong, a strong word again. Um, and that it affects all of us. And today we're going to look at three points that come out of this passage. Firstly, we're all defiled. We're all defiled. Secondly, our default condition is to try and fix our defilement from the outside in. And thirdly, it's only Jesus that can make us clean from the inside out. So those are our three points. So t- let's take this first one, um, we're all defiled, which is uh, quite a sobering thing to think about, and yet deep down I think we know it's all true. Um, Mark begins chapter 7 by telling us that a, a delegation of Pharisees and teachers of the law came from Jerusalem and gathered around Jesus while he and his disciples were at Lake Galilee. And, and remember that Lake Galilee is like 150 k's from Jerusalem. So you, you don't travel that on foot, or maybe they had a donkey or something, but you don't go that far if you're not really concerned about 
something or you really, really want to, to go there. And uh, so these guys were really concerned about the popularity of Jesus and they wanted to carry out an audit. And I don't like audits at work. I don't know if you, you guys have had audits at work. But, um, yeah, it, not, not enjoyable things. And uh, so they went to carry out their own uninvited audit. That's even worse. If someone turns up uninvited and wants to audit you, audit you um, that's even worse. And it didn't take long for them to find something terrible in their minds. Uh, Jesus and his disciples were completely ignoring their traditions, the traditions of the elders. And uh, Mark writes in verse 2 that uh, they saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Um, so let's, uh, the key word here again is defiled. So we, we're getting introduced to this word earlier on in the passage. What does it mean? Uh, the Greek word actually means common. And it's uh, koinos, I think. And it's the word from which koinonia, or community, comes from. Um, but um, the, the Jews had, had got it into their mind that they weren't common. They were very, very special. And of course they were. But they, it became a source of arrogance and pride for them. And so they used um, this word in the sense of being dirty or unclean. Because that's who the Gentiles were, right? They were common. They were dirty, unclean. They're not like us. So, um, in other words, it's the opposite of holy, which is being set apart for God or sacred. And what was the significance of being defiled in, in, the, Jewish, in the minds of the Jewish people? If you were defiled, it meant you couldn't join in the community and worship God because you were unclean. There was something wrong with you. And that created distance between you and God and distance between uh, you and other people. And uh, to be fair, the, the, uh, the law God gave to Moses was filled with all sorts of things uh, that made you defiled or unclean. Um, if someone touched the carcass of an unclean animal, or if he touched human uncleanness, such as maybe diarrhoea, so, um, yep, done a bit of that. Or if he swore, or if um, he had a skin disease, or if they had mould in their clothes, the list goes on and on. Um, there was, all these things made you unclean. And, and it's important to... Um, we, we think of unclean in terms of nasty bugs and viruses and things like that. But the, the word in this sense is more um, ritually unclean, or maybe we could say spiritually unclean. Um, so, um, yeah. And, and in the law of Moses, there was a list of all the sacrifices that you had to make to put these things right before you could become clean, ceremonially clean. So the overall idea here is that everyone becomes defiled or unclean at some point in their life. And something needs to be done about it before we can worship God. Um, and the reason why God gave us the law of Moses is because they point to Jesus. It, 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 reminds us, it reminded the, the people of Israel and, and also reminds us that we can't just waltz into the presence of God on our own merits. There's there's a defilement that's happened and we need something to remove that defilement before we can approach God. So, <clears throat> yeah, they're kind of like a, a visible reminder of the state of every uh, man and woman before God on earth and who, who have ever lived. <clears throat> but in our modern world today, people say, well, that's such a stupid, outdated notion that we're all defiled. Um, we're not all defiled. That's what our modern world would say. Well, is that really correct? And um, 
Have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? <coughs> the vast majority of people these days struggle with it at some point in their lives. Imposter syndrome is also known as perceived fraudulence, and it involves feelings of self-doubt <coughs> and personal incompetence that remain no matter how good your education was, how experienced you are, how many accom- accomplishments you've ticked off in your life, or how good you are at what you do. Basically, you feel like a fraud. And you're really afraid that some point in the future, someone's going to find out how useless you actually are. And um, I see, I see that I've seen this in myself, I've seen this in other people, and I'll never forget um, one time I was scrolling through Facebook and I came across a post of a very um, successful and amazing mother and she said something like, I, can't, I tried to find the post, but I couldn't find it. Uh, said something, something like, um, most of the time she struggles with feeling like a failure as a mother. And I was like, what? She's the most amazing mother. I, could, I was like, how could you feel that way about yourself? It's, um, she was such an incredible mother. And that points to something I think that we all uh, have felt and maybe continue to feel. Isn't imposter syndrome just another way of saying there's something wrong with me or I'm defiled or I'm unclean? And sooner or later someone's going to peel back the the surface and find out that I'm actually unclean. I'm defiled. There's something wrong with me. So I think defilement is the human condition and and we can say in the modern world we're not defiled anymore but we just call it in other other ways. We've, We've got the same thing going on that every human being has, has had throughout the, the history of the world and we just couch it in different terms uh, but it's exactly the same it's a state of not being good enough that's essentially what it is and in and, and, and the words of our passage today it's a state of being unclean nothing has changed since the beginning of time we all defiled and we all feel it at some stage in our lives but the question is what do we do about it and This is our second point today. Defilement can't be fixed from the outside in. And the default condition of humanity is to try and fix our defilement or what's wrong with us on the inside from the outside in. And the tradition of the elders, I didn't didn't understand what the tradition of the elders was, so I researched it. And it's a whole oral tradition that grew up around the law of Moses or, or around the Old Testament. Um, so again, it was, it was oral, it was passed down from rabbi to rabbi, and um, the number of rules and regulations, are, are, well, I'll, I'll share some of them uh, today. So in, the, in this um, idea of uh, before you could consume food, you need to ceremonial wash, ceremonially wash your hands. So again, this washing has got nothing to do with hygiene, it's, it's not about sanita- um, sanitisation, um, making sure your hands are, hands are free of E. coli or whatever. Um, it's a ceremonial washing which is supposed to make you ritually clean or pure so that you could go in into the presence of God. Right? So uh, it's, that's a very important point. And uh, again, um, the, the Jews were very concerned about um, touching a Gentile or, or having anything to do with a Gentile in case they become unclean. So what did this ceremony involve? Well, it's still around today, interestingly, and it involves a two-handed cup. So you imagine a cup with um, two hand- a mug with two handles on the side. And a common practice is that you are, if you are right-handed, you pick up the cup in your left hand, 
and you take water and you pour it twice on your right hand. And then um, uh, some traditions have three washes. <clears throat> so again, just by pouring water on your hands, not going to do much in terms of hygiene. If you're left-handed, you have to do it the other way around. When do you have to do this? Well, there's more rules. Um, you have to do this before eating any meal that includes bread made from one of the five chief grains, which are wheat, cultivated barley, spelt, uh, wild barley, and oats. So they had specific <laughs> rules about the bread that you were going to consume. But what if you're travelling? You know, what, what do you do? Uh, well, the, the rabbinic law, the oral tradition, required that uh, if you camped and you needed to, uh, you were going to consume bread, you had to go um, at least, well, no, a maximum of four miles further on in order to try and find water. Um, or a one mile back from where you came. So you can see that they're getting really, really specific about the conditions of, of these rules and regulations. And I was reflecting on this. It's like, why do they get so specific? Um, and the whole, the whole of the scripture uh, points to us being in relationship with God. And there are some general rules around relationships, but you, you can't get like down to the minutiae with relationships, can you? Um, and if you do that, you destroy the relationship. But they didn't like that uncertainty. They didn't like the idea that um, we were in a relationship with God. And so that's why they got more and more detailed. Um, what does it mean to wash your hands? Well, it means this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And when do you have to do it? Well, you have to do this, 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 this. this. And, and we like that certainty, because we can tick it off. It's like a checkbox. Check we can tick it off. A relationship isn't a checkbox, is it? It doesn't work like that. But I think that's our intention. We want to be able to check things off to say, yes, I've done it, I'm good. It doesn't work like that. So not only did they have that for hands, but they had it for um, anything else, that, like food they bought from the market. Again, they had this ceremonial sprinkling, which didn't do anything, again, um, for hygiene. They washed cups and jugs and basins and everything like that. And you can imagine the amount of faffing around you'd have to do by the time you're ceremonially washed. All of those things, finally I can eat my bread. So what this points to is that the Pharisees believed you could fix defilement from the outside in. If I wash myself in a certain way, I'm no longer defiled. And that's what religion tries, that's what religion is. It's trying to fix our, ourselves from the outside in. I see this again and again. I like, I, this is one thing that concerns me about what's happening at the moment, that people think that by having an operation they'll fix what they feel on the inside. And that might work for a little while, but I, I just can't see how that's going to work out in the long run. You can't fix how you feel on the inside by manipulating the outside. It doesn't work. But that didn't stop um, the ancient rabbis from putting <clears throat> huge pressure on the people of Israel to carry out the ceremonial washing. And, and I was really shocked when I found this out. According to them, the ceremonial washing is so important that not doing it is worse than sleeping with a prostitute. So if you didn't do all that mucking around with the ceremonial washing, it was worse than sleeping with a prostitute. Man. Um, not only that, but failure to do the ceremonial washing would uh, risk divine punishment in the form of sudden destruction of property. Or, or, or poverty, sorry. So this is this massive system of rules, and this is the importance they placed on it. In fact, 
One of the rabbis uh, way back in the day, uh, before Christ, said, He who expounds the scriptures in opposition to the tradition has no share in the world to come. <laughs> right? So they've taken it one step further now. You're, gonna, you're not going to go to heaven if you don't do the ceremony washing. How crazy. Can a man decide who enters the kingdom of God and who doesn't? So what was Jesus' response? Now, that, all that puts into context the way Jesus spoke to them after that. And this is what he said. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Right? You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Now these, are, these, are serious, these are the serious words that we need to take and consider carefully. He was saying to these uh, rabbis and, and teachers of the law, you think you're clean, but you're still defiled. Why? Because they were acting as if they were honouring God, but their hearts were far from him. So again, here, do you, do you see what he did there? He's introducing the idea that defilement starts from within. right? Not, not outside in, but inside out. Defilement occurs when our hearts are far from God. That's quite different to what these guys thought. So what does Jesus mean when he says, their hearts are far from me? He means that the Pharisees don't actually care what God thinks. <laughs> don't actually care what God thinks. And Jesus proves it by giving them a specific example that involves um, my surname, Corbin. It's not that the surname is bad. It's just that they were using it in a bad way. I just want to clarify that. <clears throat> so one of the Ten Commandments was uh, that you had to honour your father and mother. And so if your parents were in financial need, um, then the intention was that you would support your parents, right? Because no social welfare in those days. But the Pharisees came up with this really cool out. Uh, you could just say, oh, that money or that property that would normally have been used to support your parents, oh, that's Corbin, that belongs to God. So your parents are in need. Um, sorry, Mum and Dad, that's, uh, that's Corbin, that belongs to God. Don't have to give it to you. You're on your own. Good luck. So, you could completely disobey God's command, and the amazing thing is you could sound ultra-religious while you did it. Oh dear. Jesus tells the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that their worship is in vain. What does this mean? It means you can wash yourselves with water all you like. You can follow your rules and traditions, but you are still defiled. In fact, you're worse than defiled. So, here's this idea that they thought that they could fix themselves from the outside in. In our modern world, with this uh, imposter syndrome, <clears throat> how do you think people try and fix that? Outside in. The, the way people uh, try to fix imposter syndrome is to work harder. If I work harder, I will keep others from recognising my shortcomings or failures. If I work harder, 
I'll become worthy of the role, finally. If I work harder, I'll make up for my lack of intelligence. And if I work harder, I'll ease feelings of guilt over tricking people. Because they think I'm actually awesome when I'm not. So again, you see that? If I work harder from the, all, all from the outside in, if I can only get to a place that I'll, I'll, I'll work harder and then maybe one day I'll feel good about myself on the inside. So again, that's essentially religion. It's trying to fix ourselves from the outside in. Nothing has changed. If I only work harder, I'll feel better on the inside. We use a different language, but we're still trying to fix our uncleanness, our sense of what's wrong with us from the outside in. And it can't be done. All it does is fuel a downward spiral of anxiety, depression and guilt. And I I get this. I've done it. I've done it myself. In fact, one of the the most um, subtle things about ministry for God is this whole idea that if, if, um, if I can just have a successful ministry... I will have, I'll be worthy. I will have proved myself to God. I will, you know what I mean? It's, it's very, it's such a, um, and I think this is why many pastors burn out, because they get this wrong. And, and I, I have, this is something I've, I've grappled with um, ever since we've stepped into the ministry. <clears throat> um, hopefully the Lord is, is um, teaching me uh, to, to remain in his rest. But, it's, it's easy to get wrong, especially when you're tired, especially when you're um, under the pump. It's easy to, to think. Uh, and, and essentially what it is, is I think I'm offering myself. And, I'm, and that's where I go wrong. Because in myself, I have nothing to offer. But I offer Jesus. And if I concentrate on offering Jesus, then I flow in ministry. And the Lord's grace flows and, um, yeah... But it, so this whole idea, we can't fix what we feel on the inside from the outside in. We have to fix it from the inside out. And this is our last um, third point for today. Only Jesus can make us clean from the inside out. And in verses 14 to 15, uh, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone. And understand this, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. So, again, Jesus is saying defilement happens from the uh, inside out. It comes out from what comes out of us. And when the disciples ask them to clarify, and um, you just sense Jesus' um, frustration with them. (laughs) Are you so dull? Yes, Lord. That's true. And he told them plainly, it is, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, <clears throat> theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. <clears throat> so Jesus is, is pointing out here, defilement begins in our hearts and works out of us. Now this is um, hugely significant. Because a lot of us think we're not defiled until we actually do something. So, um, so let's take um, pornography, for example. Um, we're only defiled when we look at it. 
right? Wrong. The, the defilement has already happened by the time a person looks at pornography. Because, and, and we can see this in Matthew 5, 28, when Jesus said, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Right? So we often think that it's only when we do something that we're defiled. No. The defilement has already occurred because we're, we're, um, we see something, we have a, an evil desire, and by the time we carry it out, the defilement has already happened. So defilement begins in our hearts and works its way outwards into actions. But it's not the actions themselves that cause the defilement, according to Jesus. Defilement has already happened <coughs> when we desire to do these evil things. But if this is the case, we're left with an enormous problem. We're all defiled, this is what Jesus is saying, and the real problem is our hearts. But we can't fix our hearts. We can't fix our hearts. Nothing we can do on the outside deals with the true issue, which is that there's something wrong with our hearts. And in verse 19, Jesus gives us a a big hint about what the answer is. And in verse 18, he says, Are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared, all foods clean. Doesn't, he's not saying all foods are good for you. not saying that um, you won't get sick if you eat too much of one particular food. He's saying you can't become spiritually unclean through what you eat. <coughs> but let's zero in on that last sentence. Jesus declared, all foods clean. Isn't that such a cool sentence? Jesus declared. The Old Testament law said you couldn't eat certain foods because they were unclean. But now Jesus is declaring no food will make you unclean. Who has the right to change or amend the laws of God? Only God, right? Once again, Jesus is displaying God-like behaviour. Jesus declared. Where am I going with this? The definition of the Greek word for declare is this. I cleanse, make clean, literally, ceremonially, or spiritually, according to context. I cleanse, make clean. This is the good news of the gospel. It's not us that make ourselves clean by trying harder to do stuff on the outside. It's Jesus that makes us clean by declaring us clean on the inside. He declares us clean. Isn't that fantastic news for us? Jesus declares to us this morning, I make you clean. Not your achievements, not your bank account, not your relationship status, not the opinions of others. Jesus is the one that makes us clean. And in doing so, we become clean from the inside out. And now we know how he did it. He did it by being the one perfect sacrifice for the sin of the world that all the sacrifices required by the law of Moses pointed to. If you look in Leviticus and Numbers, all of those sacrifices, they point to Christ. And Jesus himself said so to the, the couple on the road to Emmaus, didn't he? He, he talked to them, starting from Moses and the, and the Old um, Testament laws, <coughs> what, how they pointed to him. So he took all our uncleanness and defilement upon himself on the cross 
and bore the punishment of us all. So that when we stop trying to fix ourselves from the outside in and instead accept what he has done, in him we become righteous and holy and pure in God. So let's bring this home this morning. What um, have we learned? As we've been going through the, the book of Mark, we've been asking ourselves three questions. Firstly, who is Jesus? Secondly, what did he do? And thirdly, what is his call to his people? So today we've seen that Jesus is God once again, declaring clean what was previously considered unclean. What did he do? He taught that defilement happens from the inside out, not the outside in. And that's the, the fundamental mistake that all religions do, is, is thinking that we can fix ourselves from the outside in. And likewise, we can't become clean from the outside in. All the ceremonial washing in the world has no ability to fix the uncleanness in our hearts. Our hearts have to be made clean on the inside. What is this call to his people? Stop trying to fix yourself from the outside in and instead accept the righteousness that he freely gives to those who ask him for it. Where are you at today? What is one thing that you struggle with that causes you anxiety, that causes you a sense that you're not good enough? What is it? How do you deal with it? Do you, are you still trying to fix it from the outside in? If you are, I believe Jesus wants to say to you this morning, stop. Stop trying to fix yourself from the outside in. It's like picking all the fruit off a tree and expecting the tree to die. You'll never succeed in becoming pure or clean by fixing yourself on the outside in. Instead, come to me. Accept what I have done for you. Let me declare you clean. Let me declare you clean. And you will find rest for your souls. And that's what we all want. Rest for ourselves, isn't it? So let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this word. This word that says we can only become clean by you declaring us clean. You are God, Lord. And when we accept what you have done for us, you declare us clean. What a wonderful message of grace. What a wonderful message of hope. Lord, help us to appropriate that for ourselves. If there's anything that any one of us here is doing to try and fix ourselves from the outside in, Lord, we ask that you would give us the grace to stop that and instead accept what you have done for us. Lord, we bless you and we thank you for this declaration of cleanness that you pronounce over each one of us when we give you our hearts, when we make you Lord of our lives, when we follow you. Thank you, Lord, for this declaration. We bless you and we worship you, Lord. Amen.